We're in John chapter 1, starting in verse 35. Uh, today, as we do jump into the scripture and as we pray, we have, um, we have another thing to pray for today. Pastor Jim is in the hospital. He had to get kidney dialysis. And so, so please be praying for him and for his family. Uh, they've, just, they've had a lot going on. So let's read the scripture and let's pray for them. The Bible says in verse 35, and before I read this, I just want to let you know there are five statements that Jesus makes in these verses that will be our focal point for our study. So every time we hit one of these statements, I'm going to let you know um, that is a, a statement that we're going to be focusing on, and so would encourage you to highlight, highlight it or underline it. You know you can write in your Bibles. Did you guys know that? It's okay. You can do that. So highlight it, circle it, and uh, we'll come back and study it. The Bible says the next day again, John, that is John the baptizer, was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? Just classic question, right? What are you seeking? And maybe an even more interesting answer. And they said to him, Rabbi, which, is, which means teacher, where are you staying? Kind of a weird response. He said to them, come and you will see. So listen, statement number one that you need to circle is, what are you seeking? Statement number two is, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Always a good thing to do, right? Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. We'll talk about the difference between those two names. The next day, Jesus decided to go to get, by the way, the third statement that we're going to focus on is uh, you shall be called, right there in verse 42. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, statement number four, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found, there's a lot of finding going on here. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Maybe your translation says no guile, authentic, sincere. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, statement number five, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. He's so excited. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And then referring all the way back to Jacob and his dream at Bethel. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Jesus is the bridge between heaven and earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son. Thank you for his words. Thank you for purpose. Thank you for transformation. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God, that it's not our efforts. God, it's not our morals. 
God, it's not our religious works. It's your son. Thank you, God, that you've made us new. Thank you, God, that you've made us whole. Thank you, God, that you've healed our hearts. Thank you, God, that you've given us meaning in life. And Father, we pray today that you would that you would lead us in all these things in a world where there is so much confusion. Father, we pray that your truth would truly set us free. God, that our path would be straight. And God, that we would follow you, Lord Jesus, and walk with you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I think, I don't think this is, um, I don't think this is unfair to say. I think every older generation has the tendency to be a little critical of the younger generations. Uh, Isn't it true? I think sometimes there's a tendency in older generations to kind of disregard the potential of younger generations. Um, And I think it sometimes goes like this. You know, we make value-based judgments off of comparison. And I hear this conversation all the time. I'm not going to say that like I haven't been swept up in, in it at some point as well, but it kind of goes like this, man. You know, the younger generation, they just don't have the work ethic. When we were their age, we worked so hard. They just don't have the work ethic. Or, or maybe the older generation's like, you know, you look at the younger generation and you, you say something like, well, you know, the, the moral fabric of this younger generation is just totally disintegrating. And that may not be necessarily an accusation against them. It may more, more so be an observation of the culture that they're being raised in. Uh, maybe older generations look at younger generations and, you know, look at the abilities that they have. And, you know, they think, well, we had so much more capacity and so much more ability. And sometimes in the older generation, you find yourself saying, well, I, we would have never done it like that. I think this sometimes is typical conversation that older generations have. Uh, And let me just say this, as we look at the various generations, and there are many generations that are represented this morning, I thank God for that. I thank God for the ethnic diversity of our church. I thank God for the ethnic beauty that's represented here at Awaken Las Vegas. I, I think it's beautiful in the eyes of God. In fact, somebody affirmed that today because it needs to be affirmed. I love it. Love it. It's a slice of heaven, right? And then I look at the generational diversity as well, and and I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm thankful that there are so many, like I said, generations represented. And the truth is this, generations do have similarities. We can see that there are things that we have in common from generation to generation. But then we also know that there are uniquenesses as well, and those uniquenesses are not necessarily always bad. We can come to our own conclusions, we can make our own observations, but, but I just would ask, you know, when God looks at this church and the various generations, what is it that God sees? How does God see? And don't get me wrong, of course, God sees all the similarities and he sees all the uniquenesses, but I think that when God looks at the various generations here, what he sees is his unchanging purpose. As he looks at us, he sees his unchanging purpose. It is what unifies us. It is what ties us together. It is what binds us and makes us one. God, help us to not be so focused on our differences that we miss the divine purpose that he has given to all of us. 
I think that the scripture says this in Psalm 145, verse 4. The Bible says, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So Boomer declares to Gen Z, Gen Z declares to Alpha Generation, Alpha Generation to Gen X, that's me, Gen X to the Millennials. What we, what we do is we commend the works of God to one another. We declare his mighty acts. Hey, that happened in worship. I mean, we had not only the beauty of ethnic diversity in leading us in worship, but we had the beauty of generational diversity as well. And we had young people leading older people today in commending all of us collectively to worship God and to acknowledge his mighty acts. I think when we talk about purpose in our culture today, it is an elusive topic. It's elusive. And there are all sorts of various platforms and people that you can go to 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 try to understand what purpose is. You know, the purpose of the world and the world's philosophy is significantly different than divine purpose. Maybe today you have kind of felt that you've been missing purpose in your life. Maybe today you're not a Christian and you've been searching and you've been seeking and and everything that you've tried has just kind of left you empty and and aimless. Um, and, And so you're here today and you're like, well, maybe there's some purpose at church where supposedly God's people are gathered together. Maybe today as a Christian, you know, you've walked with God for some time and there might've been a moment in your life where you honed in on divine purpose, but you know, you've slipped a little bit from that. And you, find, you found yourself, even as a Christian, kind of going through the motions. You feel like your wheels are spinning. The gears are turning, but nothing's catching. You know, you can go to the world and, and you can get all sorts of ideas on how to discover your purpose. I went to some of the culture leaders of today to discover what they say about how we find our purpose. And this was what they said. Uh, they said, number one, this one particular person said, the first thing that you need to do to discover your purpose is you need to read. You need, they didn't say read what, they just said read. And then I was like, is that it? No, well, it went on. It said, you know, to find your purpose, you need to cultivate awe. And I'm not even necessarily sure what that meant either. Um, Then it got a little more concrete. They said, you need to create a growth plan. You need to create a vision statement. You need to listen to others. Um, So I was like, all right, well, you know, what does Tony Robbins have to say? Yeah, you guys have heard of Tony Robbins, right? Tony Robbins, self-help guru. Um, This is what he said on discovering purpose. He gave three steps, three steps. Uh, By the way, I'm not directing you to Tony Robbins today. Um, Step number one, he said, was to search inward. If you want to find your purpose, he said, number one, look inward. Number two was put purpose before goals. And then number three was focus on what you have. Now, I just want to say that as a Christian here today, none of that should sound right to you. None of that should sound right to you. Because a lot of you, like you started with looking inward and that's that's what ultimately led to your pursuit of Christ because you found that there was nothing inside of you that was leading you to real purpose. And, and then not only that, you looked, you looked at your resources, all those things that you could bring to the table. And while, you know, some of you might have had great resources, the rest of us, you know, we kind of just come up wanting, you know, and it's like, well, if this is really all I have to make something happen, I'm in big trouble, His counsel, in fact, is the opposite of what the Bible says. You say, well, what what is real purpose? I think that real purpose and meaning, 
that God has for every generation is for us to love Jesus and to live as his, as his image bearer. That's, that's real purpose. And I'm going to explain that in a minute because I know when I say that, I know some people might think, well, that's so simple and so trite and so religious, but there's a lot packed into that statement. The real purpose and meaning God has for every generation, whether, like I said, you're a boomer or you're in the alpha generation or you're, in a, you're Gen Z or a millennial, the real purpose that he has is for us to love Jesus and to live as his image bearers. Now, the phrase image bearers isn't a phrase we use a lot. We talked about image bearing in the book of Genesis. Uh, and, and, and remember, uh, really, that was God's in, intended plan for humanity was that Adam and Eve and then all of their offspring would be image bearers. But what does it really mean to bear the image of God? I'm going to give you a working definition of this today, and it's going to be our definition throughout our study of the gospel according to John. To image bear means to radiate the king and his kingdom through your life as you encounter Jesus and engage in his kingdom purpose. To image bear means to radiate the king and his kingdom, the word radiate's important, through your life as you encounter Jesus and engage in his kingdom purpose. I did not use the word reflect. Similarly to the definition I gave last week of witness, remember, when we're a witness for Christ, it's more than just reflecting. When it, when it comes to witnessing, we're more like the sun than we are the moon. We ought to be radiating. And when it comes to image bearing, when it comes to displaying God through our lives as we are followers of Jesus Christ and engaged in kingdom purpose, it's more than just reflecting, it is also radiating because the work that God does in our life starts on the inside and it shines to the outside. That's where real purpose comes from. Now today you might be thinking, well, how do I get to that place where I'm radiating the king and his kingdom and I'm engaging in kingdom purpose? I think that as we look at this story today, we're going to see four disciples who were on their own personal journey in discovering their purpose. They were on their own personal journey. And Jesus makes five profound, powerful, purpose-oriented statements to them. And based on these statements, I would say if you want to discover your purpose, there are five things that you need to know, five things based on what it is that Jesus said. Today, maybe purpose has been a little bit confusing for you while well, this this teaching is important for you. Today, maybe you're a brand new parent. Maybe you're raising kids. Well, this is important for you too because you know one of the, one of the most important things that you do for your kids is help them to discover the purpose of God for their lives. Maybe you sincerely care about people and you're working with people that are just totally aimless, right? Like lost and, and they're consumed in the things of this world and you want to help them discover purpose but you haven't necessarily known how to guide them in that way, well, these five steps are going to help you to be able to do that. Check this out. The Bible says in verse 38, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? The first thing that you need to know to discover real purpose in your life is you need to know what you're seeking. You need to know what you're seeking. I think it's a really interesting picture here, right? You got John the Baptist, and he has made the declaration. He sees Jesus. It's his purpose that Jesus would increase 
and that he would decrease. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Remember, he was the forerunner. He was the herald. He was the signpost showing that Jesus was the Messiah. And so when he saw Jesus, even though he, was, he had disciples that were following him, he, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. Like, that's the one that you want to follow. And so the two disciples that were following him started following the Lord. And as they come up to the Lord, this is what he says. He's like, well, what are you seeking? What are you, what are you after? What is it that is driving you? What is ultimately your purpose? I think this is a really important question to ask. I mean, it might have seemingly been honest, right, or, or obvious. It might have been clear to Jesus that they were wanting to follow him, that they were following what John the baptizer had said, that he was the Lamb of God. But they needed to wrestle with this question. What is it at the end of the day that is really the driving force in your life? What is your life all about? What are, are your desires and your passions rooted in? I want to ask you that question today. You know, if we were having a one-on-one moment together, or if in a time of prayer, the Spirit of God spoke this to your heart, hey, what drives you? What makes your heart beat? Why do you get up in the morning? What is it that you're after really in life? What does your life orbit around? How would you answer that question? Maybe for some of you, it would be work. You know, you're, it's, it's all about your profession and advancement in your profession. Maybe for some of you, it's your family, you know, raising your kids and and making sure that they're successful and provided for. Maybe for some of you, it's all relationship-oriented. You just want to feel loved. Maybe for some of you, you just want to have fun. Like, at the end of the day, what drives you is you're just all about having fun. But the reality is, oftentimes, we don't even ask ourselves this question. We can find ourselves following the pattern of the culture that's laid out before us, Sometimes we can find ourselves just seeking to uh, appease our parents or the way that we've been raised. This is just how we've been raised, and so this is how we live our lives. But very few of us stop long enough to ask ourselves the question, what is my life really all about? What is my life all about? Is what I'm doing, is it even meaningful in an eternal perspective? You know, you don't want to get to the end of your life and look back and, and, and see that you've just lived an aimless life, a rudderless life, a life with no direction, that you invested yourself in all of these things, none of which really satisfied you, and none of those things really having any eternal purpose. I know you want to end your life in a way where you can look back and say, hey, not only did that bring me joy, but it brought joy to the heart of the Father. These are things that will last forever. Ecclesiastes 1.14 says this, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. I pray today that that does not describe your life. Having a life that's filled with purpose begins with bringing your heart before God and really asking the Spirit to discern what it is that you've been pursuing the second thing today is this, it's Jesus' response. He says, come and you will see. Come and you will see. So the second thing that you need to know is this, you need to know the one who's worth discovering. You need to know the one who's worth discovering. Of course, you know their answer, such an, such an interesting response to his initial statement, what are you seeking? And their response was, well, where are you hanging out, man? I mean, this is my 
this is my personal translation. Bro, where are you hanging out? You know, I mean, it's not even really an answer to his question. We just want to know where you're chilling, and maybe we can come and hang for a while. And you know, he's just so good. He's like, he just invites them. He welcomes them. I love just how open this invitation is. It's not a manipulative tactic. He's not forcing them to follow. He's not laying on them an obligation. He's like, well, why don't you come and see for yourself? Why don't you get some first-hand experience? I obviously wasn't there, but I just have this feeling that there was a gleam in his eye, right? When they're, you know, they just don't totally know what they're getting into, and he sees the whole picture. He knows exactly what he's going to do in their lives, and, you know, it starts with, what are you seeking? Then it's like, hey, man, just, just where are you chilling? Because we'd love to get some hang time with you, too. And he's like, well, come on. Come on and check it out. And there's this gleam in his eye. And he's like, man, you have no idea what's coming. It's going to be so good. Because even though you can't fully answer that question, what are you seeking? The truth is this. Deep down in your heart, what you're seeking is me. What you're seeking is me. And I'm the one who's going to satisfy. And I'm the one who's going to bring purpose. And I'm the one who's going to blow your mind. I'm the one who's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask or think. And the hands of Christ were just wide open to these young men that were pursuing him. It was an invitation to come. Hey, I want to tell you today, the Bible doesn't say go away. The Bible says come and see. That's what the Bible says. And it's an open invitation for anyone to come just as they are. I think we have the tendency sometimes when that thought, that epiphany of pursuing God crosses our mind, by the way, it's not self-generated, it's a revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit. When that thought comes, you know, there are so many reasons why we think we're not worthy to respond to the invitation. And yet the invitation stands, he calls you to come. And he calls you to come to himself because everything in your life, listen to me, everything in your life is bound together in Christ. It's bound to get together in Christ. Look, you, you have relationships, you have professional desires, you have inward issues, you have dreams you want fulfilled. And the vast majority of us live very splintered lives and these are all compartmentalized and we try to manage them. And I'm saying to you today, when you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, because Jesus doesn't call you to a religious institution, Jesus doesn't call you to a set of rules to follow, Jesus isn't just some religious leader for you to admire, he calls you to himself, and when he does, he takes all of those things and more, he takes your relationships, he takes your professional desires, he takes your inward issues, he takes your dreams and he binds them together. He gives them real meaning and purpose and then he places them in order in your life. He places them in order in your life. And you know, this was what he did in my life. My life was a total disaster. My life was a mess. And I'm not gonna go into the details because most of you know, like I came with a shattered life. I came with shattered pieces. I came with ashes. I came with nothing. And he took those ashes in his hands and he started to mold and shape and he put me back together, but he put me back together right. And the, yeah, and you know, hasn't he done that in your life too? You're like, no, pastor, I was perfect when I came to God and you know, I pretty much had everything together and, and you know, 
that's how you roll. You're like squeaky clean and perfect and everything's just right in its order, in place, you're in control. Look, it's just control's an illusion. The only person you're deceiving is yourself. We came with a total mess and we responded to the invitation. And what he did is he, as we made him the center of our lives, I mean, you know, as a Christian early on, I didn't really know how to put it into words. And so I would tell people, I'd say, listen, it's, it's like the solar system. <laughs> this is how messed up I am. I'm like, it's, you know, all I can say is it's like the solar system. You know how the solar system is, everything's oriented around the sun. The sun is at the center. And then you have eight planets and they all just orbit perfectly around the sun. They have their purpose. They have their place. They have their order. And I would say, that's what God's done to my life. I've placed Christ at the center, and he has brought everything into order. Everything has its place. Everything has its purpose. And, and this is what he does. He brings real purpose to your relationships. He brings real purpose to your professional ambitions. He brings real purpose and order and healing to the chaos and the madness that is on the inside, in your heart and in your mind. He takes your dreams and he does exceedingly, first of all, he reshapes them so that they fit within the context of his kingdom, but then he does exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he of course was talking about, you know what, you put him first, right? You guys are not like the Gentiles. You guys are not like the unbelieving people that you're just pursuing the new set of threads or the next culinary experience that you can get or the next car that you can buy. He's like, you, you know, that's not you. Your life's not oriented around that stuff. No, you've set God and the kingdom at the center. And when you do that, you have real meaning in your life. You have real purpose in your life. You have real order in your life. God opens doors in your life. He empowers you with spiritual gifts to fulfill his purpose in your life. He guides you every single day in your life. The, the second thing today, if you want real purpose, is you need to know the one who is worth discovering. The third thing, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump out of order here all the way over to verse 48. The third thing is the statement, I saw you. The third thing that you need to know is that you need to know that you're known. You need to know that you're known. Nathaniel is coming to see Jesus. Philip has just invited him. He is totally skeptical. He doubts anything can come from Nazareth because Nazareth had a horrible reputation. It was a, a, a city that was known for its criminality. And there's no mention of Nazareth in prophecies concerning the Messiah. So he's, you know, I mean, he's like, I know my Bible, bro, and I don't think anything can come from Nazareth. Anyway, it's just a bunch of criminals that live there. And, you know, Philip's like, well, why don't you just shut up and come and see? No, shut up is not in the original language, but, you know, just come and see. So Nathanael comes, and before he even gets to Jesus, Jesus says to him, behold, an Israelite in whom is no deceit, or in whom is no guile, or who is authentic, who is a truth teller in the sense that you don't hide your opinion, right? And what is he doing here? He is pulling the veil back and disclosing to, to Nathaniel, I know your personality. I know you don't think I know you, but I know you. 
I know your personality. I know every detail about you. And I know enough about you to say that you are a person who speaks your mind. You are authentic. You are sincere. There's no deceit. Uh, there's no double standard within you. So Nathaniel's like, well, how do you know me? Jesus says, not only do I know your personality, but I knew your proximity. He said, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So he's revealing to Nathaniel that he is the almighty one who sees absolutely everything. Not only do I see through the veneer to the very core of your heart, there's no thing that's undisclosed to me. I know everything about you, every single detail, every good thing, and every bad thing. Not only that, but I knew where you were before Philip even invited you to come. You were hanging under the fig tree. Now, later on, we're not going to get to this, Jesus says to Nathaniel, because Nathaniel's like, man, you are the king of Israel. You're the son of God. And Jesus says, you, you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet because you're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man, right? He's the bridge between heaven and earth. But it's possible that he brings this piece of Old Testament scripture out because that was the very thing that Nathaniel was considering when he was under the fig tree. Somebody's got to say wow to that. I mean, I think it's amazing. Anyway, Philip's like, I, I get excited at that, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> one in a thousand. So, so Philip said to him, hey, come and see the one that the law and the prophets have spoken about, Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel's totally skeptical, right? Because like I said, he knows his Bible. He sees Jesus. Jesus discloses everything about him and revealing that every good thing Every bad thing is known to him. Listen, he has a perfect knowledge of you. He has a perfect knowledge of you. There's nothing about you that Jesus is not aware of. Some of us, when I say that, look, he knows everything you thought today. He knows it. Have mercy. <laughs> Have mercy. He knows what you dreamed about last night. He knows what you watched on television, right? He knows, he knows every good desire that you have, and he knows every evil desire that you have. And some of us, you know, right now, like our hands just started sweating a little bit. It just got really hot in here. Like, can't someone kick on the air conditioner? But I just want to say to you, it's good. It's good that he knows everything. Because it, even in all of that, I'm not going to say in spite of it, because it's not the right word, but even in all of that, he still beckons you to come. He still invites you to come. He, listen, he looks at your life, and I want to tell you what he sees. He sees beauty. He see, I'll explain this in a minute. He sees beauty. Why is this so important right now? Because we have two generations that are seriously suffering. Gen Z and Alpha generation are suffering, struggling generations in a lot, a lot of ways. I don't want to just frame them like that, but, but there are a lot of issues that they're struggling with. The National Survey of Children's Health recently said that the U.S. is experiencing a mental health crisis. They said rates of anxiety and depression are at unprecedented levels among the youth. They said the rate of children visiting emergency rooms because of self-harm has increased 329% between 2007 and 2016. They said the percent of 
youth, percentage of youth having a major depressive episode has doubled between 2009 and 2019. And deaths by suicide among the youth have increased 30% over the last three years. Look, our younger generations, they look inward and they're depressed. They look outward and they're full of fear. We need to teach them to look upward to find hope. That's what we need to do. And if you're in those generations, I know that, that oftentimes, man, you are looking at social media and you're looking at the media and you see all of this that's portrayed about what it means to be successful and beautiful. And maybe for some of you, it's like, man, I don't add up to any of that. Well, I want to tell you today that God looks over your life and he sees beauty. He sees beauty. God looks over your life today and he sees potential. He sees potential. Some of you theologically-minded people are like, well, wait a minute, Pastor, we're all sinners and we're separated from God and sin is ugly. And I say to you, sin is ugly, but you are not. Sin is ugly. Our sin is ugly. There's no hiding the ugliness of sin. Well, we can try, but the truth is that God sees it all. Thank God that he has addressed the issue of our sin, that we can find forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ that that thing that has hindered us from coming to God and knowing his purpose can be moved out of the way so the master potter can shape us and mold us into the very image of his own son. No, you do. You do have purpose today. You do have value today. God looks at your life and he says, you know what? I can work with that. I can work with that. You know, Nathan was not a perfect individual. He came with this skepticism. It may have been for Nathan a little disconcerting because, hey, if he knows my personality and he knew my proximity, he probably also knew that I said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He, he probably knew that too. And yet, what did he find with Jesus? He found open arms. He found someone who was willing to receive him just, just, just as he was. People try to hide their true self and bury their past, but you can experience freedom when you come to Jesus just as you are, right? Today, if you've never put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ and you look at all your deficiencies, you look at all your inadequacies, you're so depressed because there's just chaos, there's a mess, there's a muddle on the inside, you need to come to the one who can heal, you need to come to the one who can cleanse, you, need to, you may get rejected by the rest of the world, you will never be rejected by the Lord Jesus Christ. He will receive you today. Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves, what better place to be than with the one who loves and accepts you. The fourth thing, just flip back to the previous verses, the fourth thing is this, verse 42, Jesus says, you are Simon, the son of John, that's English standard version, maybe your version says Jonah, they both, both of those names come from the Hebrew name Yohanin, which can be either John or Jonah. You shall be called, he says, you shall be called Cephas. So the fourth thing today is this, you can know the new beginning. You can know the new beginning. He says, to Peter, he says, you shall be called. Hey, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, but you are going to be from this point forward called Cephas. Now, Peter means stone. Cephas means rock. 
Simon, son of Jonah, so his father's name was Jonah. Some people think that what Jesus was doing is he was taking this negative stigma that Peter had over his life because of his father's name, Jonah, and he was reshaping it. Because, you know, Jonah was the reluctant prophet. Jonah was the one who was always predisposed to resist what it was that God was doing. God used Jonah in a mighty way, but he is not necessarily a great example to follow. And so it may be that what he's saying is, hey, this was what you've grown up in, and this has been kind of the stigma that you've dealt with in your life. But now that you've come to me, it's going to be brand new. It's going to be brand new. It's going to change. Uh, Or maybe he was saying, well, you have been little stone, Petros, you've been little stone, but I'm going to make you see this. I'm going to make you solid. I'm going to make you sturdy. I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to give you purpose, and I'm going to make you have importance for my kingdom. I would say to you today, this is exactly what he speaks over your life. You might look at your past, and you might look at how you've been raised, and you might frame your life around all of your failures, and yet there's one today who can grant you a new beginning. Tony Robbins' pathway to purpose does not have the power to bring to you a brand new beginning. It does not. Neither does any other cultural guru that says that they know how to lead you to discover real purpose in your life. There is only one who can give you a new beginning. And you know what he'll do? He'll take your personality. He'll take your experiences. He'll take your successes. He'll take your failures. And as you come to him with open hands and an open heart and you lay it all before him, he will reshape it. He will redeem it into something beautiful and glorious. If you've ever watched somebody uh, throw a a pot, I know that's a hard thing to say in our culture today. It just messes everybody up. But, But you know, when you have a potter throwing a pot, what does he do or what does she do? They take a lump of clay and they throw it on the wheel, right? It's just a lump of clay. It doesn't look like it has any value whatsoever. Maybe a good paperweight or something like that, but it really has no value. And then the potter puts water on it and molds and shapes. She gets her fingers in deep into the clay, right? And begins to create something that's beautiful. It starts to take shape and you can begin to see maybe a beautiful vase or uh, a pot or a cup as there's all of this work that's happening as the potter has the freedom to get her fingers deep into the center of that clay to shape it. You'll notice as she's shaping the clay that oftentimes there's, there's parts she's just cutting away and then reshaping. And then that, that cup or that vase, whatever it might be, when it's completed and when it's painted, it gets put in the kiln, it gets put in the fire, and all of those modifications that have been made by the potter are established and made permanent. And this is what God does in your life. God God wants to get his fingers into the deepest part of your heart. Hey, don't, in your relationship with God, don't have any no-fly zones. Don't have any closed doors. Don't have any warning tape, you know, where it's like, hey, God, you you can have this and you can have this, but man, these, you know, you, you really can't have this because you know God has a jealous love for you. And by that, I simply mean God God jealously loves you to the place where he's going to get all of you. 
He's going to get all of you. And you know, if it means that he's going to shake you to the core so that you release what you've been holding from him, if he's going to shake you to the core to bring that to pass, he will do it because he loves you. It's so much better just to come to him and to allow him to give you the new start, the new identity, the new outlook, the new joy, to really submit yourself to his power because he has the power to transform your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, I'll pause for that. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Final thing real quick today is uh, the statement in verse 43, follow me. He says, follow me. And so finally, I would say to you, the fifth step that you need to take is to know your God-given purpose, to know your God-given purpose. He says it to Philip. Hey, can I just say, this is so simplistic, but I just want to remind you today, Jesus did not say to Philip, go to church. Did he? He didn't say go to church. Now you're like, well, well, pastor, you know what? There really wasn't a church back then. It was just synagogue. Okay. All right. Jesus did not say go to synagogue. He didn't say, hey, Philip, if you want your life to be a little bit better, if you want to make some corrections, if you want to be pleasing to God, just attend synagogue regularly. He did not say that. And let me say to you today, because some of you might be thinking, hey, pastor said I don't have to go to church. You're watching online. You're like, pass the waffles, babe. We're all right. We're good to go. Now, listen, listen, obviously, the gathering of God's people is not a suggestion, it's a commandment. It's a commandment, but church doesn't transform and change you. Church doesn't save you. Church can't rescue you from your sins. We're the people of God that radiate the king and the kingdom and kingdom purpose. We're just signposts that point to Jesus. You have to have your own personal relationship with him. He did, he did not say to Philip, go to church. He did not say to Philip, hey, follow my rules. He didn't say, follow my rules. Some of you today, you're like, well, you know, he's a good example, and I try to live by the Sermon on the Mount, and I say, really? Are you kidding me? How do you try to live by the Sermon on the Mount without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life? This is absolutely impossible. Hey, the Christian lifestyle is a miracle that can't be accomplished in the power of your own might. He did not say, follow my rules. Um, he didn't say to Philip, hey, admire me. Admire me. Yeah, I'm not saying today that Jesus isn't one to be admired, but listen, there are people today sitting in seats, and you're an admirer of Christ, but you're not a follower. You're an admirer, but not a follower. Like, you can have a conversation about Jesus, and maybe even a Christian would walk away going, hey, you know what? Maybe they're in a good spot. They, they respect him. They respect him. They recognize how significant he is, but Jesus didn't say, you're okay if you just admire me. He didn't say, admire me. He said, follow me. You say, well, what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to dedicate your whole life to him in faith, in love, and in purpose. That's what it means to follow Jesus. It means to dedicate your whole life to him in faith, in love, and in purpose. For the boomers, for the Gen Xers, for the millennials, for the Gen Zers, for the alpha generation, the definition of following Jesus is the same for all of us. And this is what we are collectively called to do. You say, well, well, to where? I say, well, wherever he leads. You say, well, how? I say, in whatever way he says. 
You say, well, why? I say, because you love him. That's why. You have to take, these are five steps. I can't take these steps for you. I can point you and direct you to these steps, which are not famous sayings by cultural gurus of our age, but they're said by the timeless one, by the ineffable one, by the almighty one, by the omnipotent one, by the one who knows you and loves you so much so that he went to the cross and sacrificed himself in your place so that you could experience the forgiveness of sins. He was raised in power that you could have life. The resurrection of Jesus ushered in the new kingdom era. You say today, well, where do those steps lead? This is where it leads. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ever ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, bless the generations that are represented here. God, bless the generations that are represented in this church. Father, we pray that we would step into the words of Christ, your Son. We pray that there would be nothing that would hold us back, no principality, no power, no lie that's been fashioned. God, no insecurity, no fear, no self-loathing, no depression. God, we pray today that there would be nothing that would hinder the fullness of the power of your spirit working in every heart and mind because, God, you look at every soul and you say beauty and value and purpose and potential. We are fearfully and wonderfully made while we were yet in the matrix of the womb. Thank you, God, that, that this purpose and this invitation is for all of us. But today, as our eyes are closed and our, our heads are bowed, maybe, maybe you've never discovered this purpose. These are five things that you've never considered, the, the timeless words of Jesus. And he calls you just as you are because he knows every detail about you. He calls you just as you are to himself. He calls you to come and to experience firsthand he calls you to come to real meaning, to real purpose, to real joy. He calls you to come to love and acceptance. Today, if you've never put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, this is the, this is the opportunity. Now is the time this is the first step you take in your journey of having a relationship with God and having Christ at the center of your life. And I can tell you firsthand, he will bring order, he will bring purpose, his truth will set you free, he will take your fragmented, splintered life and he will shape you into something that is beautiful and he will give you a life where you'll be able to look back and see real, divine, eternal meaning. 
Today, if you need to take this step of faith, you've never trusted in Christ, you know you've admired him. Maybe you've tried to follow some of his rules, but today he's calling you to follow in faith and love and purpose. If you need to take that step of faith, today I want to pray for you right where you're sitting. I'm going to ask you to to raise your hand this morning. Stretch your hand up high. You'd say, Pastor, that's me. God bless you and you and you and you and you and you and you. Thank God here in the center. Just raise your hand today. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand in your hand. I see your hand in the back. God's speaking to you today. Stretch your hand up high. See your hand on my left. He will receive you just as you are. And and honestly, today, your life may just be a total mess. You can bring that mess to him. I did over 20 years ago. And he didn't say, go away. He said, come and see. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. I see your hand. That's awesome. Listen, let me just pause. It's not too late. God's tugging on your heart. Just raise your hand. Thank you. See your hand here in the center. See your hand here in the center. See your hand over here on my right. See your hand here in the center. See your hand here in the front. down. Maybe today I just want to say this to to the Christian who you know maybe you have had an amazing experience with him and there was a point in time where you were walking in the fullness of his purpose but but you know right now you just feel like you've been spinning your wheels and you feel a little lost. Right now, you, you know you've been disengaged from his desire. And, you know, part of you feels really guilty for that because you know how much he loves you. But you can come today. You can come to the one who's never stopped loving you, never stopped caring for you. You have not forfeited his purpose in your life. Maybe today... You know, you find yourself in a place as a Christian where you are just prodigal. You've been on the run, running from God. He looks at your life today and he says, beauty and purpose and potential. You can come home to him. And so this morning, if this is you, I want to pray for you too. Would you raise your hand today? Make this the moment. Make this the time. God bless you. That you get back on track. See your hand and your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand here in the center, over here on my right. I see your hands here on the right. I see your hand in the back. Thank you. 
I see your hand here in the center. I see your hand in the back, in the center, over here on my left. Thank you so much. I see your hand. God sees your heart. He looks on you with love and affection and tenderness today. You can put your hands down. Father, we're grateful today, God, just humbled and grateful that you're with us, that you don't give up on us, that you don't fail us, you never quit. God, may every soul that's been touched by you and that has raised a heart or a hand today, just know, know firsthand the cleansing power of the blood of Christ, the spiritual renewal that you bring, the power that you supply and real eternal purpose. God, please, we pray, meet these in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, for all of you, thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, God. It's true. For all of you today who have raised your hands, I want to lead you in a prayer today. It's good to be prayed for, but, but it's your journey. It's your journey with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you need to pray. You need to pour your heart out to the Father. You need to look to Christ in faith. You need to take a step. People can point you to the steps to take, but only you can take the step. And so today, if you raise your hand, I want to... And we want to give you an opportunity to take a step and to pray and to invite the Lord in to do the work that you know your heart needs today. You raised your hand. He has spoken to you. And maybe that's the first step of faith you're ever going to take in receiving Christ as your Savior. Maybe for you it's returning to Him and getting back on track and, and centering your life around the person of Christ. Today, the worship team is going to lead us, and there's a bunch of you who have raised your hands. We want to invite you to come down to the front. We have our follow-up leaders here in the front. Over on my left, your right, are Spanish-speaking follow-up leaders. And so if you are Spanish-speaking, uh, for sure you can move to this side of the worship center today. But right now, if you raise your hand, be bold, be unafraid, be unashamed, and step forward in God's plan for your life. Step up and come forward today. Let's bow our heads together. I'm going to lead you in prayer today. Thank God for every good thing that he's doing in your life. Thank God for the strength that he's given to you to take a stand and to step forward in faith. Thank God for your boldness today. Thank God for this prayer as you pray in Jesus' name and as you pray expecting God to answer his promises. Your life is never going to be the same. He is good and he is going to show you how much he loves you. And so let's pray together a very simple prayer. Repeat this out loud after me. Father, thank you for loving me. I have heard your voice. I'm saying yes to you. Today I'm choosing to follow Jesus in faith, in love, in purpose, forgive me of my sin, heal my life, bring me true meaning.
Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So good. Thank God. Hey, we're excited for all of you.